This is Chattanooga Civics. I'm Nathan Bird. Tamara Stewart is the city's first ever chief equity officer. I sat down with her to discuss the importance of equity and how her department helps to promote equity both within the city government and in the broader Chattanooga community. I'd like to thank my Patreon sponsors, especially the Marks family and Stephen Culp for supporting the show. If you enjoy this podcast or the weekly newsletter, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash chat civics. You can also find the link in the show notes. My name is Tamara Stewart, and I am the Chief Equity Officer for the City of Chattanooga. So I want to start off with a very broad question that kind of sets the stage for what you do. What Mm -hmm. is equity? Yeah, so, you know, I think a lot of times people have varying definitions around equity, and they tend to equate it with equalness and sameness or equality and sameness, and it really isn't. You know, when you think about expected outcomes and making sure that individuals, groups, stakeholders have what they need to achieve an expected outcome, the difference between equality and equity is in an equality situation, everyone is getting the same support, resource, or investment to achieve that expected outcome. When you look at equity, you're really assessing an individual's unique set of circumstances and need to determine what what is the level of investment support or resources that will be needed to help them get to the expected outcome. So it really is an assessment based and the level of investment is dependent upon a variety of factors, which could include um, whether or not they've had historical disparities in investment previously, as an example. So with that in mind, I want to jump in and talk about the Department of Equity and Community Engagement has a list of goals Mm -hmm. that are on the website. And I want to use that as a jumping off point to kind of explain what it is you all do, how you do it, and and what it looks like day to day. So we'll start with the first goal uh, is to provide the resources and information small minority and women-owned businesses need to compete for business opportunities within the city of Chattanooga. So I just want to start out with kind of a more technical question. Uh, How are these businesses selected? How do you define a small minority or woman-owned business? And and how do you find and select those businesses to single them out for for help? So I'm, I'm really happy to say that it's not that businesses are necessarily selected. Anyone who has a business in the city of Chattanooga or outside of the city of Chattanooga that wishes to do business with the city can go onto the website and they can click the link that says doing business with the city of Chattanooga. And when they send in the paperwork to register to do business, they can self-identify. And then if they want to take it a step further to get an actual certification to be certified as a minority women um, or small business, then they can fill out the paperwork, submit um, the required documentation. And what we do is we follow um, the SBA, which is the Small Business Administration's guidelines. Um, And there's a set of criteria. So when you look at what a small business is, it generally is around the number of employees, 
the annual gross revenue and the scale and scope of the work. And so we use those definitions in accordance with the Small Business Administration to determine whether or not a company qualifies as a small minority owned business. Okay, and so great. And the good part about that is there's outside of meeting the criteria, there is no other selection. So it's not like we're picking and choosing anyone who wishes to do business can become a part of the process to to gain access to do so. Right. So it's more self-selection than the city kind of going out and actively picking and choosing. Um, so what specific resources and information does your office offer to these businesses? So first and foremost, we help them register. And so we provide them information uh, and materials and we walk them through the application process. We do we work with the purchasing department to do like small group tutorials to help them navigate the website and the system. We answer questions about their application or particular documents that they may need. So we really do try to service them from the time they decide they want to register all the way through to completion. And if they mm -hmm. certify, we also walk them through the recertification process to help make, make it easy to do business with the city, right? Um, we also work with the purchasing department to do purchasing fairs to create opportunities for small businesses to meet the buyers at the city so that they can build those relationships in, the, in that rapport and also learn like what are the goods and services that the city is purchasing currently and have plans to purchase in the future to see if there's a good fit for a potential business relationship. We, um, my department specifically has a monthly minority business roundtable session that is held on the last Monday of each month. We are currently on hiatus for the rest of this year, but we'll reinvigorate those in January where we provide educational resources. We bring in guest speakers. We highlight a minority-owned business. We bring in partners such as Launch, the Small Business Development Center, the Chamber of Commerce, and we really try to cultivate an environment where it's intimate. People can ask questions. They can get information to help them either start a business, stay and maintain the business that they have, or even scale up their business if they're desiring to grow. And then, you know, one of the things that I've been very intentionally focused on is curating the content for those sessions based on feedback from the participants. So we have a couple of feedback mechanisms to make sure that we're meeting the needs for where they are currently and the kind of issues that they're facing as they are growing or building or starting their business. So we we try to take an informed approach and in asking them, what are some topics that you'd like to have more information about? What are some things that you're struggling with in your business so that we can curate the content to meet the needs of the participants? We have a small, um, we had a minority enterprise development week that we did for small businesses with the economic development department. So I kind of think about equity and community engagement because we have supplier diversity for the city that falls under the umbrella of this department. But we work very closely with the economic development department as well as the purchasing department to really be in sync as it relates to supporting small businesses. And so we, we frequently do things with those other departments. And so there was a uh, minority enterprise development week where it was hosted by several partners across the city and people were able to go and get more information um, and support and networking to find service providers to meet the needs that they have as they're trying to grow their business. So, so there's just one thing I want to clarify. You've mentioned a couple of times businesses who are trying to get contracts to work mm -hmm. directly with the city. And so you're providing resources for them to try and help them navigate the city contracting process. And then you're also providing services for 
for these businesses that simply want to grow in Chattanooga. Is that correct? It's it's both, not just one or the other. Yes, it is both. And, you know, so here's the thing. When you think about a thriving city, yes, you want people to be able to do business with the city of Chattanooga. But there are only certain things that we buy right. and needs that we have, depending on what's going on in the administration. So we've really taken the approach that, yes, we want to help people do business with the city of Chattanooga as an entity. But we also want to connect them to pathways for opportunity with other businesses who have needs that they're buying for as well. And then thinking about how to grow their business on the whole, whether they have a service that we can provide or not. Why? Because it's good for the entire economy for all of our small businesses to thrive. Got it. So I want to move on to the next goal, which is work to promote goodwill among the city of Chattanooga employees, open up employment and promotion opportunities within the city to underrepresented groups. So I want to start out, what specific programs are in place to promote goodwill among employees? What do those programs look like? How do they work? How do people sign up for these programs? So first and foremost, you know, there's programs and then there's presence, right? And so I feel like the first thing that we do in this department is we provide a safe space for employees to voice their concerns to bring things to the forefront, to bring forth ideas. And we advocate appropriately for the employee base based on the situation with the appropriate appropriate leaders, departments, and entities. So before you ever get to a place where you're developing programs for people to utilize, people have to trust that they can come to you if they have a concern or an issue and that you're actually gonna hear what they're gonna say and then take some level of action. Not to say that you're gonna be able to completely resolve it, but that they have a place where they can come, brainstorm, bring concern, talk through an issue, get some advice and have some support as they try to navigate the working environment. So that's first and foremost, if we don't ever come up with a program, creating that safe space for employees is paramount to our mission. And we wanna be a place where people come into our office area and they feel like they can be themselves, they're welcomed, they can find out information, they can get support and they can have a, a listening ear um, if they need to. Now, as it relates to programs specifically, we have an intern program that our department hosts for the entire city. And it's a couple of, it, it accomplishes a couple of different things. It helps create a pipeline of employees that's needed. Um, as you know, this is a, a workforce shortage across the country that everybody is experiencing, being able to find talent, cultivate that talent, recruit, retain that talent. And so it helps to identify people within the city that might need some additional support within their area, but it gives them leadership opportunities to be able to bring on an intern mentor. And then it also creates a pipeline for talent um, of qualified applicants in a talent pool that we could hopefully bring on as full-time employees. And we have been able to successfully do that a couple of different times. I'm happy to say we were doing that in the summer. Of course, COVID slowed a whole lot of things down. We reinvigorated it this past summer. We are now going to full year long. So instead of just having a summer program, we are now having a spring internship program, a summer and a fall. And we are retaining interns throughout the year if we are able to, to maintain their contract, if you will. So I'm excited about that. Um, we also partner and collaborate across different departments to bring employees together. So one of the things my department is doing right now is we're taking the lead on a cross-functional committee for a holiday gathering to really bring city employees and their families and members of the community together 
to network, to break bread, to celebrate the year, to to really foster goodwill and relationship building. We've heard from a lot of employees in our employee engagement survey that, you know, coming back to work after COVID, people still kind of feel disconnected because some of those relationships that you had with folks, you you didn't get to see them for two years. Mm-hmm. So we're happy to be taking the lead on that for the city and bringing people together to break bread and kind of celebrate each other and foster some of that goodwill. We um, recently had diversity, equity, and inclusion training for all leaders. So if you manage people in the city of Chattanooga, you had to go through the training that we provided. I delivered every single session of that training to about 400 city managers, and we are getting ready to roll that out for all city employees uh, in the new year. And I'm really excited about that. And then we'll also be building out something for for orientation so that as new employees come in, they are hearing about diversity, equity, and inclusion at the forefront and our commitment to the values of the administration as we continue to do this good work. So it sounds like a lot of those things that that you just mentioned, in my mind, tend to fall kind of under like a human resources department. And so I'm curious about how those two goals interplay with one another, you know, not to say that two departments can't be working towards the same goals. I'm just curious how that actually functions on a day-to-day basis. It functions where um, the CHRO and I have frequent conversations and we, we, it really is a partnership mm-hmm. because th- there are times when concerns get raised through my office that the HR department may or may not have heard about yet. And so being able to have that good, close working relationship to to be able to, you know, ping her and say, hey, this has come across my desk. Can we get together and talk about this and figure out what the best channel and mechanism is? It's something that I'm happy to say we've been able to come to very quickly in my tenure here because I've only been at the city for about eight months now. And so building that relationship between our two departments, working on the intern program, that's something that requires HR support because they have all of the talent management for the entire city. So we work very closely with them on that. We're having conversations about instituting employee resource groups in the future to create space, safe spaces for all of our employees based on specific demographics that they may ascribe to. That will be another thing that we will work very closely on because there is a little bit of overlap. Uh, We want to make sure that we have mechanisms for employees to feel safe, seen, and heard, but also we have clear lines and roles and responsibilities so that we're not duplicating effort or kind of working outside of our individual purviews. And so ways that we do that, I'm on the review committee for the employee information guide. So I'm being integrated into their work I'm touching base with them and we're collaborating frequently on on things that will improve the culture for the organization. Mm -hmm. So one of the things on this goal is opening up employment and promotion opportunities within the city to underrepresented groups. And, And this is something that I feel like anybody who works in public outreach, be it for a government entity or for a nonprofit or, or what have you, um, underrepresented groups tend to be hard to reach for for Mm -hmm. whatever reason. Either they don't have the same resources to connect via the internet or by phone, or they're just harder to get a hold of because they work strange hours. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why these groups are underrepresented. So I'm curious, how do you reach out to these underrepresented groups? What does this look like in practice? And what maybe tips can you share for others of of how to do this successfully? 
So Nathan, I'm smiling um, because it is a conversation that I think that I have maybe two to three times a week. How do you reach, how do you bring people to the table that aren't historically at the table? And creativity is needed because if you continue to do things the way that you've always done them, then you're going to get the results that you've continued to get. And so I frequently get called, not just from HR, we have this conversation often, but it's not just HR. I get called from different department heads, different divisions and areas of the city. Hey, we're trying to roll out a program, a product, a service, and we need community input. How do we get it? And there are certain groups of people, or we've done a survey and we've looked at the demographics and we've heard a lot from this particular demographic, but we really need to hear more voices from this area of the community. How do we do it? And I kind of take the approach of you got to go to where people are. You have to get outside of your normal mechanisms for gaining input and information, which typically is expecting people to come to you. And you have to go a little bit, um, a little bit outside of the norm. And so it may look like actually having paper surveys. It may look like working with local faith leaders or or influential community members within a particular demographic or a particular neighborhood or community to go to something that's already scheduled where people are already going to be so that you can get the information that you need or make the inroads and build the relationships that you need. Because quite frankly, particularly with underrepresented groups, historically marginalized groups, there's mistrust. And sometimes there's even tangible fear to engage with government. And so being sensitive to that and finding those trusted individuals within a community to say, okay, hey, this is what we're trying to accomplish. I know that people in this particular demographic may not know who I am or or they just see city and they may have a level of fear around that. Can you help me build relationships so they can see my face so that they know that I'm for real? Being consistent. So saying what you're going to do and doing what you say you're going to do and showing up on a consistent basis. And then once you start building that relationship and those relationships and rapport starts to become established, then you'll start to get those feedback mechanisms that you need. People will start to tell you, they'll start showing up at your stuff, but then you got to be consistent in the follow through, right? So if you take the information or you're, you know, when I, when I often get asked about this as it relates to recruiting, hey, we need more of this particular demographic. How do we reach them? And I, you know, depending on who it is and where it is and what's needed, looking at things like going from full-time to part-time and creating more flexibility in what's being offered, looking at where we're posting jobs, um, expecting people to go to chattanooga.gov is a theory, Yes, but we know that there are lots of other websites that people utilize, LinkedIn, social media, using things that are outside of the historical ways that we've always done it are ways that you can start to build bridges and get new, fresh thoughts, perspectives, and people to the table. And Mm -hmm. then leveraging those community partners and influencers to be able to cascade that message for you is just key. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you for that. Uh, I want to move on to the, the last goal. Mm-hmm. Be a presence in the community, promoting diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion on behalf of the city of Chattanooga, serve as a liaison to the LGBT community on behalf of the mayor and city government. So I just want to unpack that a little bit. What what does that role as a presence in the community and a liaison to the LGBT community entail? And we've, we've touched on a little bit of that. You've, you've talked about that need to go outside the kind of standard process 
to meet communities where they are to to bring them in and bring them to the table. But if you could unpack that a little bit more, that'd be great. Sure, sure. So yeah, absolutely. Being a presence, which means being present, right? Uh, and there's being a presence and there's being present and those are two different things. And so it, it's sitting down, it's breaking bread, it's showing up for celebratory moments, it's showing up for hard moments. It's being there and being with people and being present with people and letting people see your face and feel your compassion and your care. And that's something that I feel should happen in every community. And I think that that's something that's needed, particularly when there's historically disadvantaged and marginalized people. People need to feel that you care for them. Um, As it relates to the LGBT community, Obviously, you know, I've spoken at Pride, I was at the parade, I've gone to certain events, and there's there's those elements of showing up on a, as an official representative of the city for an event and making comments and greetings and things of that nature, which is necessary. But it but it's in other smaller ways, like lighting up City Hall for the first time ever in rainbow colors to commemorate Pride helping to celebrate and amplify all members of our society and recognizing the contributions that they make to a thriving Chattanooga. But then also, I mean, obviously in the last couple of months, I think we've had a lot of controversy around the recent Pride events. Uh, And so it was sitting down with those leaders and hearing them out, understanding the fear around the safety for participants at the rest of the events. And then it's it's not just showing up and listening, but it's working on a plan to make sure that everyone who attends an event is safe in our city. And they feel as though they can move about without fear of danger, hurt, harm, threat. And then it's actually showing up, right? And so it's being there, being present. And then it's also supporting. So, you know, I was I was at the at the parade. I walked in it, but then I went down and I bought from vendors who were there and I ate food and I was there for some of the entertainment and I walked around and I talked to people and I just got to know people. And so it's it's the presence. Right. But it's also being present. And so those those are the ways that you build inroads. And so when something hard happens, people know who they can call. And if there are supports that the city can step in and provide, being able to leverage our relationships with other governmental agencies, with the CPD, with other partners to be able to provide that level of support. I mean, that's what it's all about. So I want to move on to some more general questions about the office. Um, Does your office coordinate with other departments to provide policy analysis through the lens of equity? And if so, how does that analysis play out? So, yes, we do. And we are getting more, um, what's the word I'll use? We are getting more refined in that process and I'm excited about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason that I'm excited about it is because the way that I will gauge my level of success in this role is really around sustainability and continuity and building something that's going to last beyond my seat, my time in this seat, right? And it's one thing to go out and do community outreach, but if there's not mechanisms of support via policy to be able to maintain that continuity, then you don't gain the ground that you really need to gain. And so 
I'm currently hiring two positions right now. Like I'm in the process of scheduling interviews. These are newly created positions for this purpose, which is to look internally, to look at what policies we have, to look at what our equity framework needs to be, what measurements we need to be um, monitoring to track our progress and hold ourselves accountable and be transparent in the release of that information to the broader mm -hmm. community. Uh, and I'm excited about it. And so we've started by doing a, just a baseline assessment. What policies do you have around these categories of topics so that I can kind of get a litmus to see who's got what where? Do we have duplication? Do we have gaps? And then how do we start to work across our different departments to fill those gaps? And so that's that's the nerd part of me that gets really excited about the data and the policy and, and really digging into the nuts and bolts of how things work to make sure that we have the continuity um, that will last for years to come. Mm -hmm. and, and, I mean, that's the part that's that's exciting to me too, seeing how all these departments fit together. So I, I've talked with uh, the planning department. I've talked with Scott Martin. They're going under the Parks and Outdoors planning process. Um, the RPA is about to undergo a zoning code overhaul. And so I'm just curious how, you yes. know, it sounds like your office is is dedicated and and specializing in engagement of underrepresented communities. So it seems to me at least like like one of the biggest benefits there would be able to connect those communities, not just with your department, but then help foster those connections to other departments so that the parks and outdoor plan has an equitable representation that the zoning code reform has equitable representation. Um, so I'm always interested to hear about sure. that. And if you want to dig deeper into it, we can, or we can. Sure. Um, so what that looks like right now is I am a part of the park equity planning team for the pop. Um, and I am learning so much about parks and the benefits to parks. It's, it's really great because like I know the things that I know and I'm getting such mm -hmm. an education about all of these other parts of the city as I'm being brought in to talk about equity in these spaces, but I'm learning about their their processes and what they do every day and it's fascinating to me. And so being able to look at and, and be that kind of gut check for the parks and outdoors team around, okay, these are the elements that we want to look at to ensure equity, even in the plan. And if, and if we start assessing our parks against um, an equity plan, what does that look like? And what are the indicators that we need to look like? And being able to inform that is a way that I've been brought in, being able to walk down parks and meet Mitchell Silver, who just came and really talk about how do we not just amplify and elevate the conversation, but how do we bring about ambassadors for the cause? And how do we get representation across the community is fascinating to me. So I'm having a great time kind of diving deeper into these different elements of city government. Mm -hmm. but bringing that equity lens to to play. And then um, with Dan, I've been, you know, we've had meetings around, okay, we're getting ready to roll out these community engagement input sessions. What does that need to look like? How do we need to structure? And sometimes it's simple things, Nathan, like let's look at the time of day that we're offering things. Let's look at where we're offering things. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure we've got certain key stakeholders that can bring crowds with them 
invited and that they know in advance when it's coming and that we make sure we socialize this in a couple of different formats. Let's make sure that we don't leave our young people behind. So let's look at what outreach specifically we can do in the school system and really connect bridges and get perspectives that we may not have heard before. And so leveraging, I think one of the things that's that I, I try to bring value with is leveraging all of the relationships that I have and that I have responsibility for managing to the city to include them perhaps in conversations that maybe at first blush, you might not think the business community would be interested in parks, right? Um, but how do we bring people to the table from different walks of life and different perspectives and industries to really amplify the conversation? And how do we make sure we have, I believe in having conversations and making decisions about people with people. And so how do we make sure we get as many people to the table as possible? Thank you for that. I was just writing something down because you're jogging my memory on, on some things that I need to be doing with uh, neighborhood associations. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my pet projects really is, is getting neighborhood associations to be kind of a, a focal point. You know, you're talking about who are the people who can bring crowds with them? And it mm -hmm. seems to me like those neighborhood associations that work closely with neighborhood churches and, and other groups seem like that natural focal point. Um, we've only got about 10 minutes left here. Okay. So I want to run through these last couple questions. Okay. What balance does your office strike between promoting equity through internal city policies and procedures versus providing resources to other departments or organizations or businesses? And is there a clear priority there either by some conscious choice or maybe that's just the opportunity that's presenting itself? Uh, is there kind of priority for one approach over the other or is it trying to balance those things constantly? So for me, it's, it's being able to do both concurrently. And the reason why it, it kind of speaks to some things that I've said already is you've got to have the internal policy to support the continuity of whatever the outreach is that you're doing. If you don't have that infrastructure of support from a policy standpoint, if you don't have clearly laid out guidelines and roles and responsibilities and measurements, then you won't know that your outreach is effective or the resources that you are providing are meeting the need or that you're even gaining any ground. And so that's the reason why I literally on my first day in office, I went to Mayor Kelly and I said, I've got to have staff that's just looking at internal. If we're going to bring this element of your one Chattanooga vision to life, we've got to be doing both at the same time. And right. I'm, I'm grateful that he saw it my way and, and gave me the additional staffing in my first day, really, um, to, to be able to, to do that. Because you got to have people looking at the internal operations. And, and when I came into the role, everyone on my staff was externally focused. And I was like, this is not going to be sustainable. If, because when you're out in the community, that is a full-time job. You are out in the community. And so it can be hard to kind of take a step back and dive deep into the internal pieces because you're getting so many inputs from the external, broader community. Awesome. Well, I want to open it up. And if there's anything that we've missed that you want to touch on, or if there's any upcoming events that you'd like to mention, I'd like to just give you a couple minutes to take it away. Thank you. Um, well, obviously, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of the year. I mentioned the holiday party. It is open to the community. Um, it's going to be December the 16th at the National Guard Armory. And it will be open to the community to come if they would like. But it'll be um, city employees from all over the city will be coming together to break bread and kind of see each other. 
Um, so I would be remiss if I didn't mention that just due to the timing of this conversation. But I think the one thing that I, I like to stress when I'm doing interviews is really um, the emotionally and mentally taxing um, nature of this work and how hard it is. And I try to um, really elevate self-care and mental health awareness, particularly for people who are serving the community that are getting a lot of inputs. I'm mindful of the, the notion that my staff and myself, we, we hear some of the most gut-wrenching, horrific things from across the city of situations and things that people have overcame or people are currently in. And to be able to advocate appropriately, you have to have that level of empathy, but you also have to take the time to rest, to check in with yourself, to make sure that you have your support mechanisms in place for you personally, because you can't give from an empty cup, right? And so I just like to kind of always highlight for people who are doing this level of work around diversity, equity, inclusion, dealing with groups that are marginalized, left behind, dealing with situations that are highly controversial, it's imperative that mental health and self-care and taking that time out to kind of process the things that you've heard mm-hmm. that that's happening so that you can show up and advocate appropriately for others. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. So again, Tamara Stewart, Chief Equity Officer for the State of Chattanooga. Thank you so much for your time and have a good one. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chattanooga Civics. Our music was written and recorded by Kevin McLeod. If you have any questions or feedback, please send me an email at chattanoogacivics at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at chatcivics, or visit the website chattanoogacivics.com. Thanks for listening. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.